Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am your host Brian Nemhauser uh, at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by uh, a couple good buddies and and co-hosts. We've got uh, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. Uh, where are you at? Are you in you in Toronto? Are you still in Florida? Where, where's where's life for you right now, Jeff? Right now, I'm essentially quarantined in Toronto. Okay. Um, I got out of Florida. Okay. I've been back for about a week and a half and all this stuff is getting starting to get crazy. And so I've been spending a lot of time, like I imagine you guys are in Seattle and spending a lot of time inside, uh, getting comfortable on the couch, spending a lot of time on Netflix, but yeah, I'm in Toronto and trying to take in all this stuff right now. It's been a crazy last couple of days. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, been that way for everybody. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, before we get into to that, I've got to welcome in uh, our youngest co-host. He is somewhere between eight and nine years old. Um, didn't know that until recently, but uh, Evan Hill, um, you're living a precocious life for such a young child. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I've lost the respect of my peers, my co-hosts overnight. So that's great to great to see in here. Um, I'm very glad we're not doing this podcast three days ago. Uh, it was way worse then. So I've had a little bit of a chance to grow a little bit of a shadow, but um, I'm beardless and back. I'm excited to talk some football. Dude, you'd never had the respect. So I don't, I don't think you need to worry about that part, but uh, 
what the heck happened? Mm. <laughs> was this intentional? Was this, uh, you know, a wife related incident? What's going on? No. So first of all, I got to start with the context here. I'm an idiot. I'm a complete idiot. I cannot, okay. I cannot, <laughs> I know we all are in strong agreement there. I cannot trim my beard for the life of me. This has been like an ongoing struggle for like five to six years. For some reason, I am completely incapable of doing this. Three days ago, Thursday night, um, I was zoned out. I was fiddling for the little trimmer setting, like the, they have like the different levels of how deep basically you can trim your beard. And I wasn't paying attention like a complete idiot. I put it on and I went right here. I started on my right side and halfway through something feels off. I feel unusually cold and I look down and half my beard is gone. Like it's, it's a negative one level cut. And suddenly my manhood was taken away from me and I suddenly felt like a child and I panic, I panic trimmed and did the rest of it. I was like, my, my wife was like, you should have stopped. Like, like you should have stopped and let me do something. But no, my anxiety got the best of me. I completely lost it, trimmed the rest of it, realized the damage that was done, looked at myself in the mirror in disgust. And uh, I've been in quarantine ever since. So, you know, everybody's quarantining for different reasons. This is the reason I'm, I'm in quarantine. Well, uh, it's not so bad, man. I enjoy, I enjoy hassling you, but, but, uh, <laughs> it people should know that Evan wanted to do this episode uh, audio only and there is something that caused him to be willing to uh to bear all um uh for this and and look just just to take a couple minutes off the top before we dive into all the Seahawks stuff um I think a lot of people are tuning in because we have been all dealing with a lot. Um, there's a lot going on, uh, around the world. Um, and folks are probably eager to have a conversation about something other than a global pandemic known as coronavirus and COVID-19. Um, but man, I, I don't know guys, like, uh, my morning routine since I was Evan's age, uh, was to wake up, get the morning paper and read the sports page. And I do that today. I do that for the last week and there's nothing to read. It's just basically more COVID-19 coverage. And um, so we decided to do this pod, not only because free agency is due to start soon for the NFL and we want to talk about it because we love it and love the Seahawks, but also because there's a lot of folks that are, are hurting from this change um, in a big way, um, whether it's their job, whether it's uh, having their kids at home that's affecting their ability to do their work. And one cause that we agreed on was a, a, a pretty important one is kids that depend on school to get food, um, you know, are in a particularly bad way. And so uh, Evan um, suggested and we agreed to picked out a specific uh, cause that we're going to donate all take all donations given today, either through the super chat or um, directly to our PayPal. By the way, I think PayPal's uh, a higher percentage of your money will actually go to the donation because I think uh, YouTube takes a little bit of a bigger cut if you do Super Chat. Um, and Evan, if you wouldn't mind dropping the link back in for the PayPal, um, uh, that'd be great. So that's in the chat, but um, we're gonna donate all that today. In fact, we've got 
a number of anonymous donors um, who are going to match up to $1,000, um, one who's going to match up to $2,000, um, and I'm matching up to five. So Rachel and I are. So um, we have a chance to make a really big impact today together and really appreciate it. I see Silk Monkey went through PayPal and uh, really appreciate it. I saw your donation come and, and just to jump in real quick, can we do the math on that? So say I, say somebody donates $10. We've got two people, is that right? Donating or matching up to 1000 One person up to 2K and then yourself up to 5K. Yeah. So that's four other people up to you know that 1K threshold for sure. So if somebody donates $10 via the chat, $50 is getting donated to Food Lifeline. Is that right? Is my That's math right. correct? Uh, yeah, basically, you know, up to the first thousand, there's, there's, you know, four matches. So um, it's really great. And then up to 2000, there's two matches. And beyond that, up to five, there's, there's one match. So, um, you know, we have a really good chance to and I guess that's a hundred bucks there already. Jason Tran, 20 bucks donated in the chat. Really appreciate your contribution there. So yeah, right off and the bat. I mean, could you talk a little bit about how you picked this um, foodlifeline.org and what they do? Yeah. So for those of you that aren't aware, Food Lifeline is a Seattle, West, Western Washington based uh, uh, food bank charity that has been around for, I want to say like 25 to 30 years uh, before I was born. Uh, grew up with them, had a lot of friends that went to them in times of need. They are a super highly rated charity. It's something like 98% of all donations are used directly for the services and, um, you know, gifts they give to other people. So they're basically um, a really, really expanded network of food banks all around Western Washington. They help feed, uh, obviously, the homeless, um, veterans, you know, elderly people who, who maybe don't have enough money to purchase food. And then obviously children who um, uh, maybe come from lower income families, children that like you had mentioned, Brian, that only get their, that get their only meal at school. And, and with the coronavirus, you know, COVID-19 going all around and shutting down tons of schools. I'm not sure what the latest is on which school districts are shut down, but I know a lot of them are through April. Um uh, they are going to, you know, basically they're ramping up their efforts massively to support, um, uh, you know, local people in need. So it's, it's a really, really tangible impact on, on people's lives, obviously. And this is just a quick note. Everybody has gone to the grocery store in the past couple of weeks and seen the completely bare aisles, um, that not only affects the average person that, but that is absolutely going to impact, uh, lower income and struggling folks even more harshly. So um, it's a really great charity, a really great cause, super highly rated charity in terms of all the different, you know, charity um, uh, ratings that are out there. They're very, very, very highly regarded in, in Western Washington. So um, in terms of donating your money, can't really much, it can't go to a better place. So super excited to support them today. Yeah, and we're seeing donations roll in on PayPal as well as in the super chat. Um, uh, really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Derek, uh, for your donation. Thanks, uh, Halfway Crooks Entertainment. Um, really appreciate your donation, fifty dollars. Uh, Caleb Moore, Nick uh, Sherdnick, uh, and Andrew. I think that's a uh, Silk Monkey here. So. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> and Sean, we know you'll figure out how to get to the 20 bucks. We know you can do it. Uh, so, um, 
All right, um, let's drop that. Let's drop that link one more time in there, Evans. So people can go direct to PayPal. Um, more of their money will go directly to charity. Um, appreciate mm -hmm. that. And, and some news just came out. Yeah, please. Um, the, it looks like that the league year is going to begin this week, and mm. they are not. Adam Schefter just tweeted within the last minute that everything is going to move forward as scheduled with free agency. Not to make light of everything you guys were just talking about, because that's obviously more important than football right now. But everyone is sitting at home and dealing with things like recession, the market. It will be nice for some people to kind of get a distraction. So having, if you've been following the sports news at all today, it's been a little fun to just not think about how, for me, like my industry could shut down and how certain companies could shut down and kind of get my brain around, like, why didn't they make the Clay's Campbell trade? It was kind of nice to be angry about that rather than the <laughs> coronavirus for a couple of minutes. So yeah, it looks like everything's going to move forward. And I asked around the reasons why is, they were going to delay it two weeks initially, but they don't know what's going to happen in two weeks. And if they push back two weeks and things aren't better or they're worse by then, they didn't see the value in that. And so fringe opens tomorrow in terms of negotiating window. It officially opens Wednesday at, I believe, one o'clock Pacific time. And yeah, so everything is not to make light again of what Evan was just talking about. It's obviously way more important, but yeah, things are going to move forward. Well, let's let, we'll, we'll switch into football in just one second. Um, last thing I wanted to say on the, the donation front, at least for the, the first part of the show, is um, uh, I think for a lot of folks that have just typically developing kids or, you know, you're in middle income or, or above, it's hard enough to have your kids home while you're working. You know, they're single parents, all that kind of stuff. What, what some folks might not realize is, um, you know, everyone's talking about online learning now. Um, for a lot of kids, for my my youngest, disabled children, online learning is uh, not really an option. So, you know, there's the combination situations where you've got single parents with, uh, you know, low income kid that need depends on the food and um, isn't getting structure or learning at home. And so, you know, anything you can do to help out and contribute here just makes a huge difference for people. Um, and you know, my wife and I are fortunate enough that we can manage and, and we'll, we'll handle it however we're going to handle it, but it's challenging for us. And I can just imagine how challenging it is for them. So we're still going to do our Ben's fund donation, which also helps parents of, of kids with um, autism um, that can't afford some of the treatments um, that's coming up soon. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I was going to have dinner with the Snyders here last week, but that got postponed. And, and uh, I'm guessing that the, the charity auction that's going to come up later may also be postponed, but we will make sure that the donations are made um, and all of you contributed. We're on track to have another great year there. So today's, today's a, a good extension of what we're trying to do and uh, just really appreciate all you guys. Um, all the donations are flying in on, on PayPal. I'm getting notifications. So thank you. Um, I'm thanking via chat as much as possible. Thanks everybody that's, that's chipping in. I think you have a chance to make a real dent today and make a real difference for people. Um, that's not just, uh, it's just not just nice words. So, um, thank, thanks all of you. And Brian, real quick, just to follow up on that, yeah. just to clarify in real time, it sounds like we are going to be accepting free agency questions, Seahawks related questions via the super chat. And we're going to try and get to some of them later on in the show. Is that, is that still happening? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I really, you know, we'll, we'll take as many questions as we can from people that, and we'll definitely prioritize folks that are contributing. <laughs> we do tend to get a little bit uh, off on our own tangents, which 
tends to sometimes make for a, a, a better uh, flowing show. So we'll try to make a balance between that, but um, we will definitely do our best. Um, and we'll, we'll let you know when we're going to open it up for super chat questions. So uh, uh, for now, uh, donations are appreciated and, and those are, uh, we'll kind of get into the, the conversation now. So, so there's a ton to talk about. Um, I would say one, um, we're going to talk a little bit about just free agency. We're going to get back to um, priorities. And in fact, we're going to show you guys, um, the crew here at Real Hawk Talk listed uh, some of the top free agents at every position and went in and gave a rating for them. We're going to show you some of those ratings. We're going to show you where we disagreed. We'll talk about some of that. Um, the CBA, the CBA passed um, by a squeak, by like 100 votes or so um, in the Players Association. Evan, um, I think we'll start probably there with you, uh, helping us understand a little bit about how the, the CBA might have changed things from a cap perspective. And yeah. uh, we'll go from there. There's, there's a ton to go over and uh, uh, let's get into it. So, so Evan, fill us in. CBA passed. What, what's the, what should people know? And Jeff, you might have some things beyond the cap that you think people should know that changed in the CBA as well. So let's start with Evan on the cap side. Sure. So for those of you that don't know, news broke early this morning, 7 a.m. Pacific time that in uh, the and the vote actually ended the previous night at midnight. But the votes were confirmed early this morning that the NFLPA, the players union, actually passed uh, the proposed CBA by the owners. It was actually even closer than you thought, Brian. It was a 60 vote difference. It was uh, 1019 to 959, 959 being no. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, it's just a simple majority in this case. Uh, something like five to 600 players actually didn't vote. Uh, so basically what I'm trying to say is it was razor, razor thin here. Um, ultimately, a past, uh, the NFL has labor peace for the next 10 years. This is a big deal with upcoming uh, media negotiations with, you know, DirecTV's uh, exclusive license over the NFL. Ending in the next year or two, um, there's a lot of big money that's about to flow into the NFL, but from a cap perspective, there were actually some pretty big implications. Uh, as we know, free agency technically starts tomorrow. The legal tampering period begins tomorrow. Um, basically it's a three day window where teams can legally tamper with uh, players and their agents. Technically a signing can't begin till Wednesday. So that's the context. That's the framework we're working with here um, in terms of how the, past CBA actually affects the Seahawks. There's several big things. Number one, so there was a projected there was a projected salary cap of like 202 million, I think it was. It ended up being actually 198.2 million. So I know that's only a three to four million difference, but it's actually significant for those middle tier players, those lower tier players, all those additional signings are going to be impacted. So right off the bat, we were working with a reasonable projection of 202 million salary cap for 2020. It's actually a little bit less than that. So we've had to reflect and adjust our numbers based off of that. Um, with that number in mind, what the Seahawks are currently dealing with is 43 million in raw cap space. Now, what do I mean by raw? Raw is like the official number on the books that the Seahawks have in, in uh, the NFLPA system, but it's not really the true number that the Seahawks are working with. There's a ton of weird miscellaneous items that the Seahawks will have to pay for, budget for, 
and ultimately have to hold money aside for. It's not many things. I'll just go through them real quick. So right off the bat, the Seahawks, the NFL has this rule called the 51 man roster rule. Basically what that means is they only have to pay for 51 players on the roster in the off season, the a full NFL roster is 53 players. So with the 51 man roster rule in effect, that means the Seahawks have 1.2 million less in cap space. So that's 41.8 million net cap space. You take away the practice squad cap space, which is roughly around two to three mil. But we, I did the exact math with another cap buddy of mine. Um, practice squad players actually had their salaries slightly increased this year. So that ended up being 2.2 million for the entire year at the 2020 year. So take away the practice squad number. We're looking at $39.6 million in cap space. We budgeted out, uh, the current draft slot for the Seahawks draft slots for the Seahawks as they currently stand. Obviously John Schneider is going to trade back and we'll probably end up drafting like 25 players. That will happen when it happens, but we can budget only for what we currently know. So for another $4 million for draft slots, rookies. So we're looking at $35.6 million net cap space. Uh, the Seahawks have to budget for IR, which is typically about $4 million, but that doesn't actually happen till, till the season. So don't worry about that for now. Um, and then the probably the biggest impact, actually, that you've heard being talked in the media is minimum salaries are increasing. So it was something like 500 or 550 before. It's increased 100K in a little change. But basically, okay. the bottom of the roster, players are seeing a basically a 20% base salary increase, which is a big deal for 99% of players in the NFL. So that minimum salary change increase ended up being $3 million. So subtract all those numbers, all those numbers, the true cap space the Seahawks have entering free agency is $32.6 million. I know that is less than what was initially projected, but with the CBA passing and um, you know points being negotiated here and there, we weren't able to accurately budget and project. So right now, give or take you know, a few hundred thousand, that is what the Seahawks are working with. $32.6 million. That is before any sort of um, uh, resignings, extensions, cuts. That is as of this moment. So that's what the CX are working with. Yeah. It's, and by the way, before we, we uh, just run to that, welcome to the show, Nathan Ernst uh, at NathanE11 on Twitter. Good to see you, dude. Hi. Um, so. One of my questions in all this, or I guess one of my observations is I see this as a master stroke by the owners. Um, I think for the first time, I think they found a path that's going to really keep players split on going, which is, as Evan mentioned, players that are not well compensated, they're at the lower end of the spectrum. They got a big pay raise and you're basically having the more well-paid players in the league asking those players to trust them and really vote against what seems like their best interest vote against like a sure bet in order to hope that you get something better. Yep. And that worked like a charm. I think mm -hmm. it split the players union and that's what ended up causing this to, to basically go through. And that's why you saw all these players come out saying, don't vote yes there was like vote no but you notice every player that said vote no was a star that had a big contract um i did not see anyone that was a, on a super cheap contract say vote no um and, and they also to add to that they kind of it also happened right when the market started to crash 
So with so much economic uncertainty, how can you tell the rank and file players not to take those pay raises? And so they almost got lucky in that sense that the timing of this happened right as this market crashed. So yeah, if you noticed it, it was the whole deal set up the, the rank and file players. That's the guys who benefit from this deal. And that's why you didn't hear any of the high profile players say vote. Yes. It was just the guys, probably the guys we don't follow on Twitter or the guys we don't follow as much. Those are the guys who needed to take that deal. And sadly it comes at a time where who knows where the next dollar is coming from. Yeah. So Jeff, what other, uh, any other observations you have beyond what Evan said or anything you want to emphasize? From so, yeah. To add what Evan said, a lot of people have been asking, I know I've seen Brian been talked about this. Everyone's been asking like, why is Justin Burt still on the team? Why is Ed Dixon still on the team? Evan mentioned KJ Wright. I saw today. So why there were a lot of non roster guys released as they were waiting till exactly what Evan said. They were relating for the official numbers to come out. So if you're wondering why the Seahawks haven't made a move on Ed Dixon, for example, when they paid Olsen, this is why they wanted to know the exact number before moving forward. So in the coming days, in the coming months, the Seahawks don't have to be under the cap technically until the season starts. So if someone like Ed Dixon or KJ or Brick goes into training camp, it really doesn't matter until that first day of the season. So they have time to get under the cap if they do spend more than they planned on initially. Another thing is you're going to see contracts in the next couple of days. I've been saying this for a while now, and you've already started to see it. Evan mentioned that the amount of money that's going to come in with this new CBA, once the, the whole CBA was set up so they can do new TV deals. And if you remember the NBA a couple of years ago, they came into all this TV money and their free agency started going crazy. All these guys you had never heard of or rostered like, bottom of the roster guys were making like 16, 18 million a year. And everyone was rolling like Bismack Biombo in Toronto was a guy who like was a bit player, got almost 20 million a year. Now that the NFL's money is going to come in and that's new CBAs set up for the next 11 years, you're going to see some contracts in the next couple of days that are going to make your eyes pop. There's going to be a lot of market setting deals. There's going to be a lot of surprising money. Even today you saw Bradley Roby, a guy that a couple of us have talked about, apparently just agreed to a deal where he's going to get 12 million a year. And he was a guy we thought would be like an average player. So that's the kind of guy who got a one-year deal last year, I think for like six to eight million. He just got a three or $36 million deal on an extension. So you're going to see a lot of deals that shocked you. And that's the biggest takeaway because that was what they were waiting for. Really, if the CBA didn't pass, that could have changed. But the fact that it did go forward, I think a lot of the numbers in the coming days on a lot of like upper tier guys are really going to surprise some people. Well, Nathan, I'm curious, like one of my thoughts here is, look, societally, everyone's being quarantined. You know, we don't know how long this was going to last. It's eviscerating sports leagues. It's eviscerating business overall. We're definitely going to head into pretty serious economic downturn for who knows how long. Um, Is there a chance that like the NFL could benefit from this in a really serious way. I know this is like a really odd niche. Like there's very serious things here, but just to focus on football for a second, could it be a situation where like, is there a better league set up to benefit from TV revenue? Everybody's sitting at home who already sits at home to watch these sports and that potentially this comes back and they start letting games play by September. Um, You know, could it be that there's basically no sports all the way up until when the NFL season begins and then just everybody is like all in on football like they've never been before? Do you think that that could be a a windfall for the NFL? 
I mean, uh, I don't know how that... Maybe that helps with attendance, which has been kind of lagging a little bit. Uh, but these TV contracts get negotiated like well in advance, right? Or they're being negotiated right now. I, I don't know how much a one-year like really surge in ratings would would change things much. I don't know. It's hard to say. There's going to be all kinds of interesting fallout from everything that's happening right now. Yeah, I mean, let me ask all of you. September rolls around. Um, and there has been no sports played until then. They start allowing people to go watch games. Would any of you be hesitant to go watch a football game um, if they started letting people do that? There's no way in hell I'd personally go to a game, but I could tell you one thing. Can you imagine Seahawks Twitter being quarantined in an NFL season? We would be off the rails. It would be <laughs> Can you, like take the amount of anxiety that we currently have in the NFL offseason and then think about how we are during the year. Can you guys imagine what, <laughs> what type of environment that would be like? People in general start mixing in a little stir crazy on top of everything else. It's gonna, it's not gonna be a fun few months, I don't think. And and elections, it'll be great. <laughs> My God. And the amount of the amount of babies it's going to like there's the, the I, irony. I don't know if people have realized this yet. The whole boomer millennial like divide. We're about to have a new boomer generation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like millennials are going to birth the next boomers. That is like the thickest irony in all of this. Uh, so, yeah. We'll see about those folks that say they don't want kids, how that goes, uh, you know, nine months locked together in a, in a room. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. Personally, personally, I think I'd go. Personally, really? I think I would go. Um, I would go. If, if they opened it up, I would go watch a game. I mean, watching a Seahawks game is already risking your emotional health. So you're willing to risk your physical health too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Joseph Emmett just coined the, the phrase coronials. <laughs> oh my so gosh. Bad. Yeah. Nathan's not a fan. He, 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 he. No, I, will say, I, just... Evan, I don't know if you can see this. I'll move my mic for a second. I'm wearing a full zip hoodie just for you oh, and Josh. God. That is yeah. such a, God, it's a fashion fail. I actually literally this morning, I'm like, oh, we're doing a pod. Got to do a full zip for Evan. Uh, you shouted out a comment in the YouTube chat. We have to shout out Udit. I think maybe the biggest super chat donation we've had in, in our show's history. You donated 100 bucks a few seconds ago. That's incredible. Yes. Thank you, Udit. And um, uh, I'm trying to wait on confirmation. Right now, I'll say that there's been an anonymous donation of $2,000. Uh, and, uh, we'll see if the person lets me shout them out, but, um, it was great. Um, this is a person that was going to match up to $2,000 and isn't waiting, just donated the two. So wow. um, really, really appreciate it. Um, making a big difference. And that, that is in no way to, oh, great. Uh, so it is Russell Solberg, um, on Twitter. Some of you should know Russell. He's on there a lot talking Seahawks, um, I'll give him a shout when I have a chance on Twitter, but um, nobody's got, nobody's got to, to go ahead and do thousands, you know, 
whatever you can afford um, is going to help these kids get fed and is super appreciated. And uh, a bunch of us are going to match stuff. So um, it's making a difference. You know, you donate $20 and that basically turns into a hundred with the the matching that we've got um, going on right now. So really, really appreciate all that you guys are doing. And once again, I will drop in the direct PayPal um, donation link into the chat. More of your money will go directly to charity that way. So really appreciate it. Super chat's great as well. Um, YouTube just takes a little bit bigger cut. So a, a little bit less of it will get to the charity. Um, all right. So I'm curious, guys. Um, we are on the eve of free agency. Where are your, Where's your head at? Like, I know it's not about football probably, but related to the Seahawks, as much as you can focus on it, um, where you're, where's your attention? Like, where are you focused? So uh, Nathan, let's start with you. Like, what are you, what are you keenly kind of watching to see if it happens? It's the defensive ends. I think it's the defensive line, just what goes on there. I mean, I, I don't know if we'll get into the, the sheet that we put together or not, but like, I'm looking at it right now and by far defensive ends, like we did, did this on a scale of zero to 10 or whatever. And it's, there's a lot of like eights and sevens and nines, you know, on all, on all these. So, um, and those are, that's where, uh, all of the, the big names really are for, for the most part, right. Or there's at least a, a whole load of them, Robert Quinn, Clowney, Fowler, Griffin, Jason Pierre, Paul, Eric Armstead, uh, you know, and Gakwe got franchised, but, uh, so yeah, uh, I'm super interested to see what they do there. Um, I'm also... I don't know. I, I wonder if we're just every all the reports have been that they're just going to be super aggressive, and I'm really curious what that means. Does that mean trades? Does that mean just dumping a ton of money on some players? Like, what does that look like? I mean, it's really it's this is uh, I I have not been thinking about this much, obviously, with everything else, but yeah, I mean, this off season is going to be like the the 2012 offseason or or it's it's that formative for this team right like what this team does the next few years is probably going to be based a ton on what they do in the next week and so it's uh it's it's pretty cool can can do you guys i'll get to you jeff and you uh evan but do you guys mind if i share our our defensive line rankings we'll, we'll start there with the defense please line. do all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna share my screen here and you guys let me know how how well you can see this. All right. Um, all right. Are you guys seeing this? I am. And hopefully folks that are watching are able to see this a little bit. Um, I'm going to minimize that so I can see folks. So um, here's what we've got. We've got um, a list of some of the top free agent defensive ends pass rushers. We've got for every position we've done this and we've dropped some folks in here, what positions they play, how we potentially have to get them. You see a guy like uh, uh, Ngakwe who's been franchised. And then you've got our ratings um, in terms of, of uh, how each of us feel about acquiring this player. and that rating includes 10 being absolutely go get this person to one being, you know, don't zero you'll see in some places, which is don't get them at any cost. Um, and that factors in what their cost would be, how good, how much of an impact we think they'll have and those kinds of things. 
so you'll see here we've got our average rating for these players. And um, then you've got the variance here. This is how much we see it differently. So the bigger the number, the more varied our points of view are on this player. And um, it's interesting here, like um, just jumping around for a second. Um, uh, Ngakwe is a guy that a lot of us have talked about. There's a pretty big variance on this. And Nathan, since you started here um, on this position, talk to us a little bit about why you're so against him. Like, what's your problem, dude? Uh, so, okay. So first of all, on my ratings, a zero is I do not want them to do this. Um, and then it's, you know, like uh, a scale of how interested I am in this. So a two is not I'm against it. A two is I have very low interest, and it's just purely because he was franchised. He was franchised. Is that official? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that that so that was the math for me, right? Uh, the other thing that we had kind of talked about with the ratings is for the way I approach this is not so much just like is it a good player or is it a good fit, but me trying to guess what I think is like the player will get, which you know maybe I could be way off, but trying to understand what a what I think a player will get, how good they are and the fit for the team, right? And so that kind of value and, and fit and all that uh, factored into it. And so to me, this came down to cost. You're going to have to probably give up a first round pick, probably something similar to what uh, the Chiefs gave up for Clark uh, to pay a guy. And he's a really good player, but I just, I don't really have much interest in them doing that. I'd kick the tires on it and see exactly what the trade would cost. Uh, and that's what that two is. But other than that, I, I don't think this is something that they should pursue, especially with all of the other guys that are out there that you don't have to give up a draft pick to go get. Nathan, at what cost would it make you feel comfortable? I mean, I'd be, I'd do the clowny deal for him. <laughs> it's what a if, joke, but like they literally just did that trade last year. So like, it's not crazy, but. I'm not giving up like a first rounder. I'm going to feel a little queasy about a, a second rounder. You know, this is, it's the exact same comments that I had about Clowney last year where, you know, I, I just don't feel great about giving up high draft picks to pay a guy. Wasn't the rumor switching our first with their second or am I wrong? I don't know. I didn't hear that rumor. Jeff, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I saw the same rumor. The rumor was that they would flip the, what you just said, our first with their second. So it drops to like, the 11th pick in the second round. And then they'd also have to give up one of their twos. Yeah, that's pretty steep. Oh, I see. I don't know. If they give up Calais Campbell for a five today, maybe the price is a lot less than we thought. Yeah, there's some people that were reacting to that, saying that the reason that they did that is to clear space so that they could sign Ngakwe. I don't think that's right. One, he no, said that he does not want to play there. They're restarting everything. And I, I, I just don't see it. I mean, it's possible, but I don't see it. And we'll, we'll get back to the Campbell movement in a bit because I know there's some, uh, some opinions on that um, as it relates to the Seahawks. But let's talk about this for a second. We won't go through all of this. It's too much, but uh, let's pick out a couple things here. Interesting name at the very top of this list. Um, and if I was looking properly at this robert quinn was nathan was was evan's top rated or at least tied for his top rated he was nathan's tied for top rated and he was jeff's tied for top rated he was not my top rated um not even my top like two or three uh so 
you guys are big fans. Talk about Robert Quinn a little bit. Jeff, you want to start? Well, as Nathan explained it, I had to change my rankings to adjust kind of what he said. And I think when you consider the combination of need and cost, I think he was the perfect match of where you've, because some of these guys are going to cost an insane amount of money. As I mentioned before, Clowney could go over 20 million for a guy who's not a sack guy. Eric Armstead's a guy who had a huge year and Dockway, all these guys are going to cost Quinn because of his age might be able to fall closer to like the value 11 to $13 million range. When you look at his productivity last year, he's more of a pure edge rusher. It just seemed that he fit based on cost, based on the fact that it will allow you to bring in a second rusher versus maybe signing Clowney and then having to find like a, somewhere value somewhere else. I think it allowed you to get, fill your need. Still, you have your draft picks and still be able to add, keep adding at a rate that didn't really limit what you can do the rest of free agency. So I think that, and if you look at the, his advanced metrics this year, they were really, really good. And he's a player to that. He is a little older compared to some of the other guys on this list, but just in terms of a pure pass rushing productive player, he, the three of us, even the four of us, you're still seven seem to agree. Yeah. I mean, I'll say just for a second. Uh, I, I mean, Nathan's been on Robert Quinn for years. He's, he's kind of obsessed in, in some kind of unhealthy way. Um, but <laughs> no, I, seriously, I, my, my point of view is I want, either two of the top, you know, uh, top, you know, mid to higher end free agents on the, on the pass rush side, or I want, you know, three to four, um, you know, mid tier, like maybe, maybe it's one top guy and two to three mid tier. Like, I think there's enough guys on this list that could add, be additive to the Seahawks pass rush, especially compared to last year. We're not even looking at the D tackles yet. Um, you know, if Robert Quinn's one of those names, sign me up. That's fine. Um, do I feel like Robert Quinn is like the best option or, you know, would I be as happy about signing Robert Quinn as I would be about Clowney? No, you know, like again, cost comes into it and Clowney's going to be pushing the upper limits of what that price tag will be. Quinn probably won't, but I don't think we know for sure yet. Um, I'll let uh, Nathan, I, I know, <laughs> got to let Nathan talk about his guy, Robert Quinn, for a second. Uh, anything other than what Jeff said that that makes him appealing to you, Nathan? No, I mean, he's like just said, Jeff said, he's a sweet spot. He's a little older, but, you know, he'll be 30. It's not like he's 35. He does well in the advanced stats. He also had 11 and a half sacks. I mean, um, he's a really good player that I think uh, – and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I think he's a, a the exact sweet spot of this free agent class for them. I've seen rumors that his contract demands are something in in the eleven to thirteen million dollar range per year. Uh, if that if if that is accurate, I would say he's the best value pass rusher on the market available starting tomorrow. Like Nathan said, 11.5 sacks last year, looking at his pro football focus grades. He's had an elite pass rushing grade, top 15, like six out of his eight seasons. He's a stud. He's a great player. Not, not a great run defender, but if you're looking for a great value add, I think he's the guy. Yeah, let's let's go down the list here about a few guys that the hat we had some pretty different, different, large differences of opinion on. So we, we talked about Ngakwe. 
Um, you guys talked about why you wouldn't want to get him. You know, honestly, like the reason he's high for me is I think, I mean, I think he's better and has a longer, uh, longer career ahead of him than um, some of the other guys we're talking about, including Quinn. And, but would you rather have Robert Quinn at like three years, 13 million a year, or would you rather trade swap first and send a second to give Yannick a four or five year, $20 million, $20 million a year deal? Yeah. I mean, I would bet on Yannick being uh, productive over the course of that contract more than I'd bet on Quinn. It just seems so, like something you do when you're one player away, kind of like with the Chiefs of Clark last year. Not when you have to build pretty much an entire defensive line. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. You know, I, the way I I look at this is I'm looking at the players that are going to make the most difference. And sometimes yeah. you have to pay more to get those players. And uh, so to me, it's a matter of I want to – it's a matter of certainty that they're going to have fixed this pass rush in a way that's impactful and that you're going to get at least a few players that do that. I have a lot more confidence in Yannick being part of that um, solution than Quinn. I mean, not a lot more. I have Quinn as a seven <laughs> and Gakwe as an eight. So it's not like a huge difference, but the cost to me is not a huge factor right now. It's just not like, uh, it's not like the Seahawks have used their first round picks well anyway. So, and I'm serious. Like if, if that's the price to get a proven commodity pass rusher, that can be uh, a, a core part of your edge pass rush for four years. Fine done um and then add more to it but um that aside let's talk about some of these other guys um michael bennett's an interesting name so a decent amount of variance there on on how we listed him evan's all in evan like his you know loves michael bennett i and i have to say i'm guessing at least part of it is because he's always been like very complimentary of russell and very uh down on on pete so I'm guessing that's why Evan's like super into him. But but Evan, speak your speak your mind, man. Michael Bennett is still an effective pass rusher. I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet the other day. Maybe it was from you, Nathan, that he had more sacks than like the entire Seahawks defensive line combined or something last year, or more maybe more than any any player on the defensive line last year for the Seahawks. So Michael oh. Bennett, what was that? I mean, the Seahawks, uh, Rasheen Green led the Seahawks in sacks with four and a half. So, like, that, we're that's my low point. bars here. <laughs> that's my point. But, like, but like the reality is, is he's probably a better pass rusher than anybody the Seahawks have outside of Jadavian Clowney. He's, you know, older. He's probably, like, I don't know his age off the top of my head, like 33, 34, something like that. I think he's still effective. He, You can get him on a very cheap deal, most likely. I don't know if you guys saw the podcast he did with Joe Fan. NBC, you know, media member a few weeks ago, he said he loved the city of Seattle and he wants to end his career with the Seahawks. If Pete Carroll is okay with book readers in the locker room, I say we bring him back. The cost, the value is, is on point. He is not somebody that, you know, you're going to depend on for the next five to 10 years, of course, to be a, a stud pass rusher, but he is absolutely a value depth add in the meantime. I think they, I think it's a no brainer. So, Evan, is there any scenario where they could do Clowney, Quinn, and Bennett? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Like, not even, not even a question. Uh, when, when people think, like, that $32.5 million, $0.6 million, true cap space number that I had mentioned, 
all that money they pay in a player APY wise, like say if they pay Clowney $24 million a year or whatever, that's not all upfront year one against the cap. Like the cap is going to grow exponentially year over year in the next several years, especially Seahawks are approaching like 70, hundred million dollars of cap space in the next couple of years, adding those three right off the bat. I think I had even tweeted that out. Robert Quinn, Michael Bennett, Jadavian Clowney easily. It's not even a financial concern. That's great. I mean, and Bennett might be a guy that ends up way closer to the, the vet men than any of their think, thinking. Like, we love him here uh, for a lot of obvious reasons. He does well with the nerds and all that. But this is a dude that's been traded three times in the last, like, two seasons. So, something's there. Uh, I'm not saying it's right or not, but, like, I don't know that the NFL loves this guy. Well, well that's let's be- why he's a two for me. I, like, I've been a Michael Bennett stan, as they say, as the, the young kids say, for, for a long time. Back even when the Seahawks cut him um as a free undrafted free agent back in the day i don't doubt what you guys are saying about him being potentially still productive as a pass rusher and the benefit of of bennett as a player has always been that he can he's not only an effective edge player and when i say effective edge player he's good at rushing the passer and he is good at defending the run he's disruptive in both regards and he can slide inside there are you can probably count on one hand the amount of players in the NFL that are good at defending the run and rushing the passer from the outside and are able to move inside and be an effective pass rusher on the interior. So I totally get and see Michael Bennett's value, but I have some real questions about his impact to that team. And and well, uh, what do you mean by that? You can't just you can't just say that. What what do you mean? Tell me. Like, I, I think he's a cancer. I, th- I think he's, he's, I think he's crossed. I think he's crossed the, the, you could, you could have that look on your face, Evan, but what Nathan said is real. He went to the Patriots, which, you know, that's a winning organization that knows how to u- utilize veteran players. And he didn't last a season there. I no, mean, he lost to the full season and they went to the Super Bowl. And if this no, no, no. Bennett, Bennett got traded after like four games. If this dude is such a cancer, then how was he on the Seahawks for multiple years? Like, I wouldn't but, say, but I wouldn't call him a cancer. But if you look at the teams that have traded him, the Seahawks, the Eagles, and the Patriots, which are probably three most teams in terms of like giving people second chances or third chances, I don't know what's happened. I don't have an angle. I think the book reading thing is bullshit, but I think there is something going on. Sorry, you're right. He went to the Eagles and won a Super Bowl. Right. And then went to the Patriots, and then they got rid of him. Yep. But, I mean, so I I think his price might be low. I think that it should not be low. Uh, And while he was traded three times in the last two years, it takes – it took three – like, three teams wanted him and gave up draft picks for an older player. So he's not just, like, you know, trash. No, he's good. Uh, no, that's why I started saying it's not about the football players much, although I'm sure he's declining. I mean, he's just, he is at this age. He's always been a a fast twitch um, player and a disruptive kind of jump the snap player, which is why I get so many offsides penalties. But um, yeah, like the reason he's not a zero for me is because, yeah, I see the value. And if all things align and 
we did this probably before he said he would love to retire in Seattle and, and maybe, maybe the right things happen and maybe they, they get him for the right price. I'm not totally against it, but he's not like a central part of what I would want to arrive at for the, the solution for how they're going to fix this. I would Let, much rather than look at other options. Let's clarify something. He's not might, he might not be cheap. I mean, he's not, not might be cheap. He will be cheap. When he, when the Cowboys signed him or traded for him or whatever, he had a, he reworked his contract and he made 1.725 mil base salary in 2019. That's pretty damn close to vet minimum. Are you telling me that Michael Bennett at $1.5 million a year is not worth it? Like that blows my mind if it's a no. Well, it just depends on the the rest of the free agent mix that they're going to do. It really it, does. Like, uh, like they have they have they have to they have to fill like six six spots on the defensive line alone on this roster. But that's, I think that's like Evan's point, though, right? If you have to fill a bunch of spots and you can get a guy like Michael Bennett, uh, and you know, on a team that is a playoff team. You know, so getting vets and and spending those snaps that way does make some sense. It's not like they have anyone. Like, what are they going to do? Block L.J. Collier? Oh no! Uh, so if you can get him, like, I, I really think he might be down in that two, three, four, five million range for like a year. Like that seems like an awesome fit for this team who is trying to win now, but maybe wants to reserve a little bit of flexibility. You know, in case Collier does start to come along, or in case they find someone in the draft, and so. To me, like just like Robert Quinn is a sweet spot, but like he's a much better player. Um, I think Bennett is just really interesting, just for all those reasons. Yeah, I don't think we're actually as far apart on this one. Like, I'm not totally against him being part of the answer. He's just not high on my list. Like, there's a lot of other guys I'd like to see them go after, and. Um, if he ends up being one of the names when I mentioned, like get a collection of, of mid tier or, you know, vets to help uh, address this as opposed to like high price guys, if you don't get this, he could definitely be on that list. I, I want Michael Bennett to pay a visit to Pete Carroll's house, quarantine himself, figure it out, make up together. And I don't want him leaving quarantine until their issues are resolved. And then hey, Marshawn to- came back, right? <sighs> But I think that, you know, so to your point, Brian, like, yes, Michael Bennett isn't like the guy they need to go get, right? Like if they come away with this from this uh, free agency period and Michael Bennett is the best defensive end that they get, then I'm disappointed. But I think that, you know, they need six guys. They're going to look for a couple big names, but they got to find probably there's another like mid-level value vet that they need to get. And so if you're kind of thinking of that role or that fit, then I think Bennett is up there, right? In terms of, okay, so you got to get your, you got to get one of like a, a Robert Quinn or an Everson Griffin or a Jason Pierre Paul. You want to land like a clowny, right? I mean, ideally, like maybe that's your big, your big fish. And then you get one of that next tier. And then you still kind of want to ideally grab like a Bennett or a Wolf or an Irvin or, Absolutely. you know, uh, somebody down there and so that to me that's how i'm thinking of bennett not in just in terms of like is he the number one guy to go get no but knowing that you need two or maybe three guys if he's that third then that i think he's that that's the perfect spot for him and i think he makes a lot of sense there 
Yeah, I don't think you could have said that better because last year the thing that messed them up last year is that they ended up in a spot where one injury or one Ziggy Ansah being shit kind of ruined their whole team. And when one guy went out, you took one player out of their lineup, they had nothing. They had guys that just couldn't rush the Brandon Jackson. How many snaps did that guy get? Michael Bennett, Phil, if you give Michael Bennett Brandon Jackson snaps, that's an A-plus move. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think we're we're beating a horse here. Like that, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff is clear. Spending a lot on the like, fifth defensive lineman. The, to me, like we're talking a lot about a guy who ha- is aging, and if you can add him as an add-on to the core guys you're adding, great. But like, um, you know, Evan had to step away for a second. But I mean, to me, part of this rating is about their impact on the field and impact, not just now, but also down the line. Like, is this someone that you're going to build around to have like Michael Bennett rated in the same vicinity as like Eric Armstead or higher than Shaq Lawson or, you know, higher than Eric Armstead and, 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 you know, right around in Gawkway, like, he's not that kind of player to me, no matter what his price is. Like, yeah. I think he can be a, a good role player, but you know, he is not central to what I think they should be planning around. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Cause there's a, a lot of fans in general make this mistake in football is they look at players they know versus age. I know Nathan talked a lot with Bobby Wagner last year about the aging curve and in personnel, that is a massive thing. People recognize names. They know, especially in football guys don't, decline as quickly as they do in other sports where there's like a steady decline guys because one day like the xavier Rhodes we were talking about yesterday the wheels kind of just fell off him last year like when you see a guy who's as brian mentioned is getting older and typically those aren't the guys you want to target you want to get target ascending players so when they got averill and bennett probably the best free agents this team's ever signed they're right in that right age the aging curve as nathan has talked about and i think people too many times see a guy who's like 34 and they say oh he was good last year that doesn't mean he's going to be good next year so a lot of fans make this mistake or they'll say like why don't we sign this guy no for football a lot of times they, they want either younger players or they want faster players or they want mostly ascending players and so when you see a guy you recognize who's 33 34 that's not usually the guy to target did you guys yeah. mention bruce Irvin in my absence <laughs> well, I'm just gonna bring that up so like okay that's we've got the most variance on that evan explain yourself dude you've got him rated at the same level of like overall go get himness as robert quinn and Clowney. you really you're really gonna stick with nine out of a scale of 10 for bruce Irvin? i'm like shocked i put a nine that actually might be a typo <laughs> I, 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 there's no way i've been campaigning the bring bruce Irvin uh train back so I think that might be a typo. <laughs> All right. Well, that's nice to hear. Cause I mean, Bruce Irvin to me, even like, he's not even a Michael Bennett level impact guy. He is like, he is second or maybe even third tier rotational veteran pass rusher value that you get like in free agency. I, I would be, I would be really disappointed if Bruce Irvin was like one of your, you know, top two and like, edge rushers like that would be huge it might have been 0.9 i think that was the real (laughs) well no i mean he's a fine guy but he's not you know i think there's some other really interesting names that people don't know that that are further down this list um 
you know, we don't have to get into all of them, but like, yeah. I mean, even like Benson Mayo to me is more interesting than, than Bruce Irvin. I don't know why he's a zero for you guys. Why is he a zero? Like don't attain him at any cost. He's old and not particularly good. By what? Like compared to Bruce Irvin? I mean, Irvin's had like double the sacks that Benson Mayo has had the last three years. Irvin's been actually, had seven sacks last year. Irvin ha- Mayo did, yeah, and he hadn't had, and he had four the year before, and one the year and before that. Years old, and Irvin's thirty-two. Yeah, but like one of these guys has actually been a consistent like pass rusher for the past four or five years, and the other one is Benson Mayo. I, wow, I like, like. Mayo is old enough that like any idea of potential like no it's there's no potential he is what he is and that's the exact same case with Irvin is Irvin more likely to fall off a cliff yeah but like Irvin's the better player and that's not saying a lot like Irvin's I'm kind of with you on Irvin like he is a local like favorite but not an especially good player and then Mayo is worse than that so <laughs> we can't ever show this video to Bruce because he'll be super pissed at me. But like, I, I, well, I mean, everybody loves Bruce and I'd be happy to have him back and he'd be a productive, he'd be, he'd have a place, but like he a could also place? get, huh? A place. That's yeah. a very creative way of Look, saying. I, Benson, Bruce Irvin might, shouldn't be hoping for much more than a place on any team at this point. I think he's probably realistic about that. You know wow. who the Seahawks should really bring back? Quentin Jefferson. Uh, I think he is overrated, guys. I'm pretty sure I had another typo in the Excel spreadsheet because I listed him as a two, and that's not accurate because Quentin Jefferson should absolutely be brought back by the Seahawks. Strong rotational player. I don't think we've seen his ceiling. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay ben Baldwin, our favorite stats guy on this podcast, posted a really cool chart of his pass rushing productivity rate against double teams and he was like really high in no, the no 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 it, it was his pass rush rate like compared it wasn't while being double teamed what was it it was, it was a plot of his pass rush rate and his double team rate pass rush rate uh he I, so he I don't was still good was. though if I remember, he had a very good pass rush win rate and a very low double team rate. If I remember right, I think Quentin Jefferson's a fine guy. I won't be upset if he comes back, but guys, he is not. A, he's he has proven to not be a difference maker year after year after year. He's been an okay role player, and. I would just as soon roll the dice on a different role player to see if they could pop in and with the Seahawks system, then come back to the same old, same old, like, like reshuffle. Like this is, this is like, if you're playing poker, it's like, give me a whole new hand. Like I, I don't, I don't want to keep like the three of diamonds. Uh, you know, like that's not interesting to me. I mean, we but shouldn't you- be throwing away Quentin Jefferson because Brandon Jackson played way too much though. Like, there, I'm not, there's, I mean, like I said, if he came back, fine. But I would hold be up, happier. hold up. This is slanderous. Pro Football Focus. Who was the second best defensive lineman in 2019 that played on the Seahawks? Whose name is it? 
That's what he said very much, though. That is the worst possible argument I he have was ever better than, heard. He was better than Al Woods, Brian, and you're on the campaign to bring Al Woods back. Are you kidding me? He was right. the sixth best Seahawks defensive player in 2019. Al Woods Again, was, that's not <laughs> was meaningfully better at what his role was on the team than Quentin Jefferson. That's not accurate. That's not accurate. By who, my who, who has a higher point of view? Is what's is, uh, Quentin Jefferson's pass rush grade higher than Al Woods' run defense grade? No comment. Let's change the topic. Uh huh. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> but Al, Al Woods is going to cost like nothing to sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm still mad. I'm still mm-hmm. mad at Al Woods for messing up the season. I think that was still one of the bigger losses that nobody really understands. Um, I think the Seahawks were hurt far more by Al Woods being out than if Quentin Jefferson had been out because. Quinn Jefferson, what, did he have like a sack or two in the first week or two of the season and then did nothing the rest of the year? Did he have Did he have a sack after week two? Sacks are not a great way to measure this, though. You did know he? that. Did he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the data on me. Uh, uh-huh. No, I don't think he did. I think he only ended up with the one. No, he had three and a half sacks. I know, yeah. but like, <laughs> guys, I don't know. I, I You're talking about sacks for a defensive tackle, though. Like, I mean... That's not the right way to measure for this. a pass rusher. That's no, his whole that freaking not, value. That's not all he is. He's he's a capable like. Wow. Yeah. He, Nathan def- champion the run defense grade. Holy. No, I'm just saying that, that's not all. Quarterback hits on the whole year. Why yeah, how many talking about this guy? Like it matters whether he comes back. Uh, I'm with I'm with you, Brian. He's the definition of a guy you don't pay. He had two sacks in the first game of the season and then went like a season. Like he had half a sack over the next like 12 games, guys. Like what are we? He had three quarterback hits in the first game. He had seven the rest of the year. Like this is not an impact player. Like I will not cry a single like an alligator crocodile tear. But they're, they're not going to go out and else. sign like six Jadavian clownies. Like you have to have some of and totally that I agree with the guys like, the guys like a that are coming back on this offense on this defensive line. It's Rasheem Green, Puna Ford, LJ Collier. And that's <laughs> what you have. You are going to have to find some Quinton Jefferson's or Michael Bennett's. And if you don't, this is going to be a shit show. Of course. Like, I mean, I can't. I so can't you just want to roll the dice, Brian. Point. You just hold want to on, roll Evan. Hold on, Evan. Just wait your turn, little <laughs> one. You got to grow at least a couple more hairs on your face before you get to interrupt me. So, no, he. Look, of course you have to have a blended approach to how you're going to address this defensive line, and I think we all agree that free agency has to be free agency and trade has to be a number one aspect of how you're going to do it because if you draft a player, they're very likely not to be an impact player for the first year. A lot of times, not even in the second year. So this isn't good. you're going to have to come at this either with get a couple big diamonds, like, and spend a lot of money and then fill in with a lot of really cheap guys that are going to be vets or they're going to be injured guys, like more onsa kind of risks, that kind of thing. Get it. Totally get it. Or you're going to go more blended. You're going to say, hey, we're going to get some mid-tier guys and then we're going to fill in with lower. I get it. I get it but it's not just edge rush. You also have to do that defensive tackle. You also have to do that at right tackle, right? So there's other places this money has to go. All I'm saying with Quentin Jefferson is 
he's not worth the conversation we just spent. Like if he ends up being one of those guys, fine. If you come in and there's a different player that takes his spot, fine. Like, like, I think that's totally fine. I don't think that he is the make or break. And in fact, he really shouldn't be in the list. We've got him. He's, he's a defensive tackle. We've, he has played five tech, but he's mostly been a defensive tackle for them. You know, what if they get Jordan Phillips or what if they get Marcel Darius? Are we sure that, that yes, from a pass rush perspective, those guys won't be as, as good, but for the, maybe the same amount of money, are they going to make a bigger impact to the team? Maybe like, I just don't care. Like, just give me, give me enough quality players and show me the reason why Quentin Jefferson's a guy that deserves this much conversation. Now you can speak, Evan. I have no further comment. Good. <laughs> I win. Um, <laughs> I don't really care. Honestly, he can come back. Oh, he's a guy that can, they should bring back at like four to $5 million a year, four to 5 million. Yeah. That's the not give him more than 2 million a year. That's not oh, going get a lot more than two million good. a year. Let him go. He is he's not that five good. To six million. I wouldn't be surprised if he like edged close to nine million a year. I'm not. Kidding. Yeah. Good God, usher him out the door. Like, okay. stuff a dollar bill in his pocket as he leaves. Like okay. he is not worth that kind of money. That's fair. Where do you guys stand on Jaron Reed? I would rather pay Jaron Reed. 15 million. Oh my and play God. Quentin oh, Jefferson. No, 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 no. I would no, absolutely no, no. rather no, pay no way. Aaron Reed 15 million than Quentin Jefferson 9 million. Oh. No, 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 no. Yep. Well, I mean, I believe that you would rather do that, but it, <laughs> that's a very dumb thing to want to do. What, what's the argument for that? That $15 million. He's a better pass rusher. He's a better run player. He's He's been uh, durable. Quentin Jefferson has not been any of those things. And Quentin Jefferson, if I'm not mistaken, he's like sneaky kind of old, isn't he? He'll be 27 at the start of the next year. Uh, Quentin Jefferson had a better pass rush grade than Jaron Reed. in Yeah, last year. No, look, I'd rather pay you $7 million, Brian, to play defensive tackle for the Seahawks and play Jaron Reed $15 million because you're just throwing money away. So at that point, just take the cheaper player. Like, yeah, maybe we, we can sit here and argue about whether Reed's a 10% better player or a 20% better player, but he ain't twice as good. So save your $7 million bucks and live to fight another, another day. I think Reed is twice the player Quentin Jefferson is, at least. But you at least think that he's not he's not remotely near a fifteen million dollar player. I agree. I'm not saying I want to pay him that, but you know, relative to nine million for Quentin Jefferson, who is a near zero in terms of impact. You said like, you'd rather give Reed fifteen million than give Jefferson seven million. I said nine. All right, even then, like don't throw away the extra six million dollars on a player that doesn't deserve it. Like you're you're no like. It's a, they're both bad, but one is almost half the cost of the, of the other. So do that one. You're it's focused the, on completely the wrong way to build a team, Nathan. So you're focused on the cost. You want to get good players. Good players win, not the cheapest team. You think the team with good, good players. players. Reed is an impact you want to make sure if it's 5 million and you get a player that sucks or is not going to make an impact and you could have spent 15 million to make a, to get a player that you could have for five years that's going to be a core part of how you make an impact. You spend the money. 
Reed so is if, a if you, five year as a, a core player on this defensive line for the next five years to you. I absolutely think Jaron Reed could be that. I think that this is, I am not advocating to get Jaron Reed at 15 million. Will you be mad if they do? I'm not advocating for that. What I'm saying is Jaron Reed is a much, much, much better player than Quentin Jefferson and will be a much better player for years to come. So to me, the point is get good players. And the other thing with Jaron Reed, this is somewhat besides the point, but his market should be the lowest it's going to be because he had a suspension. He had a shit year. He didn't put up numbers. You know, if you believe that's Jaron Reed and it's not like half of what he was the year before, which is roughly what I think he is. I think he's about half of what he was the year before. Then, yeah, if you think what he was last year is who the player, then he's not worth 10 million for this team. I think I think he's I think he's more similar to the player that was coming of uh, into his own the year before than the player who had the six game suspension last year. So will you be okay with it if they pay him 15 million a year? For five years or four years or whatever? It all depends on who else they sign. I would I would not love that deal, no. What is your price tag on Jaron Reed? You think you're that's 10, 12? That really smiled out of control. Um, price tag on Jaron Reed. I think, I mean, I think the ideal thing for Jaron Reed is a one-year deal once he finds out that he's not having the market that he wants to. But what's your price? Like, what's your price tag on him? 10 million. What, what do you, 10 you'd pay him 10 million bucks absolutely Oof. probably a better bet than ezekiel Ansa for a one-year 10 mil what's your what's your number me yeah i don't know i i do seven or eight I, i'm not paying him much he's a fine player i don't think he's that much better than quentin jefferson interesting jeff and evan you guys have any jaron reed points of view What's your, what's your, it sounds like everyone's agreed on one year would be ideal. So let's just stick with the one year deal. What, what would your price tag be? Probably like eight or 9 million. I, I, I'm just really concerned that that 2018 year where he had like 10 sacks or whatever was an, an anomaly. I'm, I'm concerned that that's not going to be consistent for him. Jeff? I'm in a similar range. He's, he's a guy who just was, I have so much buyer beware from him. If you're paying him like 15 million, that would, to me, that would be a, a huge mistake. Somewhere around 10 million, I think it's fair. But I put together the, the Google Doc a lot of the, the defensive tackle group in Frenchy is really good. And if we pull, we only show the edge rusher. There were name after name and guys in the right age. It's a it's a market where you can kind of just sit around, see where the value is. And if you want a guy like if you're going to pay 15 million a year, go get like a Javon Hardgrave. Go get a better player like than mm-hmm. But here's the list now. There was a lot of defensive tackles. And there was some of the older guys. There's McCoy, Sue. But, again, Chris Jones could be available. He hasn't officially been franchised. He's expected to be. Aaron Reed. <laughs> Look who's number three on the list. <laughs> yeah, just there's guys, name after name. Linval Joseph just got released. Snacks Harris out there. Nathan has the highest rating for Al Woods. Sorry to cut you off, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is better than what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, run defense only matters so much, but he's really, really good at it, and he'll probably be really cheap. Okay, that's reasonable. I mean, <laughs> and again, like this big argument about Jaron Reed, and like I've got one point higher than, the, and he's number four on you the said list. Fifteen million dollars like, a year, no, like, yeah, fifteen million dollars. 
would be yeah, a zero. Give me I never a slightly... said to sign him at fifteen million. I was but reacting. Me, to but if you're gun to my head, I have to give a okay player fifteen million dollars a year or a slightly less good okay player nine million dollars a year. Yeah, I'm saving six million dollars or seven million dollars or whatever it is. I get it. You yeah. have a different. We see those two players very differently. I think Quentin Jefferson is is like a mediocre rotational player. He'll never be a starter ever. Jaron Reed is a legit starter and will be for the re- for most of the rest of his career and has upside. I don't think Quentin Jefferson has any upside left. He is who he's going to be. So well, I just uh, value them differently, regardless of what the, the 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 specific number is. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is just a question of: Do you believe that Jefferson's better pressure rates matter, or do you believe that you know? And I, I think that Jefferson's pressure rates were only better. I don't think he was better than Reed in 2018. So do you think one year of Jefferson tearing up pressure rates and like pass block, pass rush win rate matters more? Or do you think one year of uh, what did yeah, uh, Reed doubled his uh, career sack rate in one year? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I agree with everything you guys said about it being an aberration. I... I don't think Jaron Reed will probably ever have 10 sacks in a season again. Do I think it's like totally unlikely? No, I think it could happen again, but I, I think it's pretty unlikely. I think Jaron Reed really benefited from having some pass rush around him. And I think that if the Seahawks sign two decent edge rushers and they have Reed in the middle, I think Reed can be a, an impactful player. Um, I, I don't think he is. I don't think he is what he was last year. So um I think he's crazy to think that someone's going to pay him 15 million a year and on a long-term deal. Like I, I just, I think that'd be a super, that'd be a big mistake. If the Seahawks aren't willing to do that and they know him better than anybody, any other team would be really silly to do it. So I think that's where it'll end up. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's where that really comes down to is I think we just value, like, I don't care about saving the money. I care about getting players that are going to be good. That's what I care about. And, and I, I think we, you see them as more close together. I see them as pretty far apart. It's a combination of I'm not a fan of Quentin Jefferson as an impact player. And I think Reed has upside. I mean, Reed is older than Jefferson, so I'm not sure one has upside and one doesn't. But I just don't see, like, whatever his, like, Again, I think you're right that that Reed is a better player. I don't think that they're crazy apart. I don't think Reed has any kind of impact player potential. Like, can he be a good solid starter for them? Yeah, but like he's the there's no game changing real aspect to his game. Yeah, you guys... I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can really say that. And uh, you know, if a guy's had ten sacks in his career in a single season, like to say that he doesn't have an impact player in him like well i mean anybody can luck into 10 and a half sacks like I mean, really he, he's not the only player who's ever done this i mean jordan phillips had like what seven or eight this year or, or how many did he even have more than that and like that dude i guarantee you he will never get that many again yeah yeah so i mean um any of these other players that stick out for you guys a lot of people talk about danny shelton they're big fans of danny shelton we do not have him particularly high on this list Anyone else that's like wants to go go in for for Danny Shelton? I think he's gonna be cheap. Yeah, wrong. I think he's a younger version of Al Woods. Really? Yeah, that's all he's shown in the NFL so far. He's a run stuffer, two down player. 
You can get him for nothing. Yeah. For the cost. I think that's why I put a six. Why is Malik Collins zero for you, Jeff? I honestly don't know much about him. So um, that means don't re- acquire him at any cost? Well, yeah, that was probably a mistake on my part. That should have been <laughs> I don't know much about him. Uh, that that's Evans mentioned his anomalies. That's probably my I mean, just looking at this list now, I'm like, yeah, that was pretty stupid. Would you guys- I was surprised you guys have Mike Daniels as a zero. Like, no, do not acquire at any cost. Like, why isn't he in the category of a Michael Bennett? I have him more in the category of like a, um, an Ansa. But yeah, like, say more. Um, old and injury prone. And he hasn't, his productive days are farther behind him than Ansa's were. So, I, I, yeah, I, there's no interest there for me. I mean, there's enough other guys I'd be more interested in, in you know, late round young guys and given that roster spot there. Well, he's been on the decline since 2017. Like he did not have a good 2019. He had the worst, one of the worst pass rushing grades of his career. Um, if you just look at his grades and even his pressures, 2017 is like a downward hill ever since then. I, I just don't, I don't see him rebounding. And he was the guy that I wanted them to go get last year. Like I wanted to buy the lottery ticket last year, but I don't want to buy the lottery ticket. That's already busted. <laughs> Would you guys pay for Javon Hargrave, the DD, DT out of uh, Pittsburgh? They're saying he's going to get like $15, $16 million a year. Uh, r- excellent run defender, really good pass rusher. Is, is he somebody that, I mean, he hasn't been tagged. Do you think, is he somebody that you guys want, would want to spend a ton of money on? Silence is a... Uh, it's all no. it's all part of the puzzle, right? Like I'd yeah. rather I'd rather I would like them to get an edge and an interior player. And so if he was part of that package, if you got I mean, if you got Clowney and him, and people are like can laugh at that, but I'm like, I want them to go in on two big players. And if that means cutting other players on the, the roster to make room, so be it. So I'm yeah, he he was high high on my rating for that reason. Um you know, Chris Jones would be amazing. I don't think that's likely. Um, so, yeah, I think he's an interesting guy. Cutting uh, one Justin Britt plus cutting one KJ Wright nets more than one Jace, <laughs> Javon Hargrave as a little math solution. Uh, so Hargrave is an interesting one. I, I like him as maybe a backup plan if they don't get Clowney. And obviously, they're not at all the same player, different positions, very different. Um, but like, if they end up getting like maybe two of the 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 next tier pass rushers, like if they end up, but they're more pure like speed pass rushers, then I think Hargrave makes more sense. But I think if if your big if the, if what you net out of this is Clowney and Hargrave, and then like a Benson Mayoa or a Bruce Irvin or whatever. Um, I think that that's going to be really tough to generate a really good pass rush out of that. And you're spending a lot of money on those two players now. Cause, uh, and, and this is why my rating on Clowney was uh, just a six. I, I just don't know what to, cause the whole thing is, well, he gets all these double teams. And so if you can pair somebody on the other side of him, and if you get a really good, you know, if you spend a lot of money and you go get, you know, Quinn or Fowler or whoever, and you put him on the other side, like, Quinn and Fowler are good players without having 
clowny around them, right? And so this whole idea that you need to pair clowny with another really good pass rusher, like, well, maybe just get the one pass rusher who's actually good and doesn't need that help. So I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings with clowny on that. And I think that you're you're just like doubling down on that if you do a clowny Hargrave thing. Um, I, I don't know how that really works for you. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these other guys on the list. Like, how much is Michael Brockers going to cost? How much is DJ Reader going to cost? Reader a lot. DJ Reader is going to get like 14 million a year. What? Jesus. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's he's a, he's going to be a day one free agent signing. <sighs> how about Michael Pierce? He, not 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 nearly as much. He's a run stuffing one skill player that could be great value. See, and this is why, this is the other reason I liked Al Woods, is you can get a really good run stuffer in Al Woods on a cheapish one-year deal. Like, I think Pierce is going to get a few years. In fact, I had him at the five here. That's probably too high. So I think that you're paying, you're going to pay kind of a premium, like a starter premium for a guy that maybe doesn't have the best skill set. Um and that's what is appealing to me about Woods is you can still get that high quality run yep. stuffer without the premium. Yeah, I wonder, <laughs> not to bring the Reed thing back up again, but it would be interesting. And I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility if they reunited Reed and Ashawn Robinson hmm. from uh, Alabama. Like, Ashawn Robinson should not cost too much, right? I mean, no, I like that. He'd be a good pickup. Um, Anyway, I like look, if they end up with what's the number? What's the combined number? Forget names for a second. Between edge and defensive tackle, how many are you guys wanting to make sure they exit free agency with? My number's four. I could be three happy with three really good ones, but four is my number. It's gotta be three to five. But what's your number? Pick one. Four. Four. I think it's going to be five or so, but like they're going to have a couple of like low level, real low level guys kind of tacked on at the end. Right. I mean, they just have to have bodies. Like who's going to be on this defensive line. What did they carry? What did they carry last year? Like 10 guys here. Right. Usually somewhere around eight to 11. So. Okay. And, and they have three. They have who Collier. Collier, Green, and Puna, Puna, right? That's probably the only sure things right now. I mean, those are the only guys that are like literally under contract, right? Yeah, Monet, I think is, but like, okay, oh, he's not. He's a restricted free agent. Okay, okay. We can hope so, like, that they don't. Sign not him. even him. So yeah, I think it's got to be four or five. Yeah, because if they sign just three guys, that puts them at six. That means they're gonna have to pull pull like four out of free out of, out of the draft and you know you know a couple one or two of those are going to be undrafted and they'll do the undrafted thing anyways but like yeah. yeah they almost have to sign like four or five guys on the line yeah yeah i 100 just agree. even last year that's jefferson onsa they gotta replace jefferson onsa jackson Reed, Clowney, jackson so that's five right there i think a lot of people think their first pick might be a defensive tackle this year based on the people who like track their like visits and stuff but yeah, it's got to be a four minimum, I think. Well, so with this in mind, let's talk for a second about and, – and by the way, we'll open up a Q&A for Super Chat here. Um, if, if folks want to make a donation, we will uh, answer your questions uh, in Super Chat. So uh, 
one option would have been to trade a fifth round pick for Calais Campbell and pay him. Uh, Evan, why didn't they do that? God damn it. (laughs) That's all I have to say. God damn it. A fifth round pick. A Tedrick Thompson. That that's what that's what the Ravens paid. A fifth round pick. And they renegotiated his deal and are paying him $13.5 million a year. Calais Campbell, per Pro Football Focus, was the second best edge rusher or edge defender in the NFL last year. He's still elite. Yes, he is older. Yes, he's 33 years old. But he is still elite. He is not going downhill. He is not on the back. I mean, he's on the back end of his career, but the reality is, is he's still producing at a super, super high level. Are you telling me right now that that, like if the Seahawks had made that move, I'd be ecstatic right now. Ecstatic. A fifth round pick, a fifth round pick. This wasn't a second round pick. This was a fifth round pick. This is, this is almost humiliating. I I feel broken. So you'd rather you'd rather pay him the fifteen million in a freaking second? He's still elite. I'll come in. My emotions are actually similar to Evans right now, and I don't I can't show it as well as him, and I cannot <laughs> agree with him. I'll say this though to give like the more balanced. There's thirty teams in the NFL and thirty fan bases asking the same question. This isn't like a Seahawks only issue. Like I am not sitting around thinking like the Seahawks, like you've been in a fantasy pool. Sometimes there's a trade that happens and you're not given a chance to match it. And that happens a lot in sports in pro sports. And this might've just been a trade of two buddies doing a deal. If this is something we come out and we know John Schneider passed on, I think that's insane given their needs on defense. But the fact that they weren't able to match an offer like that, something, something doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It had to have been like sexual favors involved, not not, <laughs> not actually, but like, but it's insanity. It's insanity. Yeah. Well, I would say, Jeff, just so you know, there there are some people that would say that you show your emotions better than Evan. So it, it no, really, no value way. judgment wise, no there, it really depends on where you are in your life uh, and what no you value. <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I like. I think you bring up a really good point, Jeff. We don't know what the situation was. We don't know that Schneider actually said no to this. Um, and to, to that point, who did Schneider and Pete Carroll compare Malik McDowell to over and over and over again? They love Campbell. Calais Campbell. They love Calais Campbell. So I don't think it's a matter of like, they don't value this guy. And if there was talk, you'd have to assume that they were in on it if they were able to be. And yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows what the issue was? But, uh, you know, I certainly would have liked to have a guy like that on the team. It, to me, it, it does cut the, the tension a little bit, knowing that um, knowing that he's going to cost as much as he is and that he is on the older side and you, you spend a fifth-round pick on him, like, and that there's a lot of good guys in free agency. So – you know, maybe that's one more defensive lineman that's available for the Seahawks to, to sign for free agency without giving up a draft pick um, than there would have been otherwise. So won't likely be as good as Clay's Campbell, but uh, 
You know, Brian, you are a white shining light right I know, now. I know. <laughs> I'm trying everything I can, but I cannot escape this sunshine. It's, it's life in Seattle. I know you wouldn't understand being down there in, in uh, Arizona. Yeah, escaping the sunshine. That's a that's a common statement made by many Seattleites. <laughs> I'm gonna have to figure this out. I'm just maybe it's a benefit that nobody can see my face. Maybe it's a feature and not a bug. But uh, anyway, uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about um, another real big need on the the team. So let's share our ratings for. Share ratings for for tackle for offensive line. Um, we'll get back to this here. So, offensive line grades. Here is the list, and got a couple guys. <laughs> Evan uh, has kind of affected the curve on Jermaine Effetti. And I, we got to stop on Effetti for a, sing, for a single second here. If the Seahawks end up paying him, I am burning this world to the ground. That <laughs> will not late, be tolerated. Dude. That will You're not late. be tolerated. So let, let's, let, we're going to come back to this specifically in a second, but I want to go round Robin for a second. So, so uh, Nathan, we're going to start with you. We're going to come to you, Evan. We're going to come to you, Jeff. What's name one or two that come to mind of worst possible things that the Seahawks could do in free agency this year. Um, and not like sign a running back, like $2 million, you know, like, and I'm not a million dollars to, to like some big deal, but like a potential move they could make that you would really hate. Um, and, and Nathan, you ready to go first, or do you need me to give someone else give you a head start? Uh, come back to me. Come back to me. Okay, Evan, I think you're ready on this one. Could you talked about this a little bit? Where Where are you? The number one worst move they could make is paying Jermaine Ifedi. Uh, he's a very, very subpar right tackle. Uh, Pete Carroll is infuriated by his penalties. Fans are infuriated by his penalties. He's incredibly inconsistent. Yes, he's gotten better over his career. He's still not that great. Let's stop pretending that he is. There's this subsection of like Jermaine Ifedi loyalists in Seahawks Twitter, True and there. I'm calling them out. They're insane. They're insane. They're not watching football games. They're not watching Seahawks games. Jermaine Ifedi is not the right tackle of the future. If you are going to pay Jermaine Ifedi, you know, 16, 17, $18 million a year, and you're willing to invest that type of money in the position, I would much, much, much rather pay a couple extra million and, and get Jack Conklin, who is actually a good player, or I'd rather do the value add in Beluga, who is a uh, right tackle for the Packers Beluga. hitting the market, who is <laughs> what? Oh my God. If we trade one, right tackle that you can't pronounce his last name for another right tackle wait how do you pronounce his last name <laughs> bulaga 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 beluga whale beluga whale <laughs> either you know, of those players either of those players i would take a million times over jermaine Fetty. uh the second runner-up would be paying chris carson i think that would be a really really bad extension because i think it'd be like somewhere in the nine to twelve million dollar range so those are my two answers all right jeff how about you 
one or two worst possible, and it can be the same, but like, where, where would you just be like head pounding on the table? I think the combination is if they bring back the a Fetty Brit, a Upati group and say, we need continuity on the line again. I think pay, paying a first, a Fetty is going to get over 10 million a year, probably. So if you bring back him, you bring back Upati and then you don't get rid of Brit. I think that's the worst possible. We've talked about pass pro so many times on the show over the years and it just it's, makes Russell's life so much harder. We talk about all the run stuff. I think that – I know everyone's going to talk about Afedi, and we talked about Reed, and I think that, to me, is the worst-case scenario. Yeah, Afedi, for me, I'll, I'll echo what Evan said. He, that would be the worst move. I, I just think making that your committed right tackle and the money it's going to cost you to do that when there's an opportunity cost where you could you could actually make your, your whole team better by, by upgrading that position, I think that would be the worst. For me, the second worst is – uh, not cutting Justin Britt. And, and it's not that Justin Britt's the worst player on the team, but the $9 million that you get from letting him go, you could sign a Quentin Jefferson for that. I mean, come on. Um, so I, I think that there's just huge opportunity cost in having that much of the cap in what is a really mediocre player in Justin Britt. And I would much rather than move that money to defensive line, to even to right tackle, um, but to other positions on this roster. And uh, so I'm a little worried that they're going to keep Brit. And I think it's a, it is the absolute wrong thing to do uh, given the, the money that they could be spending in free agency this year to really improve the team. How about you, Nathan? You ready? Yeah. Uh, I think giving Jaron Reed $50 million a year would be the worst move. <laughs> really? That was, is that your honest answer? That would be the worst move? uh I, uh it's not realistic i think uh but yeah that would actually be up there i'd be pretty pissed about that <laughs> wait what do you what do you mean it's not realistic because like that's what he's hoping to get sure we all hope for lots of things um <laughs> uh, <laughs> um no i think i'm with you though brian i think not cutting justin Britt. um I mean, I, I, I guess we'll see how all this shakes out um, and we'll see whether they actually like need that money. Um, but it, it seemed like it would be representative of a huge blind spot for them to not realize that he is pretty mediocre and well overpaid at this point. And um, yeah, I would be pretty disappointed if, uh, if Britt comes back. So let's talk quickly about this um, as we're kind of heading towards the uh, the end of the show here. Um, uh, we've got Jack Conklin as number one. Bulaga is number two. Um, Joe Thune is a guy that hasn't got a lot of conversation. He's a 10 for Evan. You want to say a little bit about that, Evan? He's an excellent guard when healthy. He hasn't been tagged by the Patriots. He's... The best guard on the market currently available since uh, Brandon, last name blank. I don't know how to pronounce, and I'm fearful of pronouncing last names after the harassment I've received. So he has been tagged. The skins have tagged him. Um, I don't. I don't think uh, DJ Fluker has been playing well at all. He actually took a big step down last year. Um, I think the guard position is just as much as a need as tackle is, frankly. So I hope they address the position. So Nathan, you had Joe Thune as a three. Why? 
Uh, I just, of all of these different positions where we're talking about them going and spending a ton of money, guard is one where I'm actually um, pretty excited to see what the younger guys can do. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I think if you go through my list, hopefully that's consistent. Uh, that I don't think I rated any of the guards particularly high. Um, I don't remember why I gave Scherf a zero. But oh, franchise, franchise. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be pretty costly to get. So, yeah, yeah. So, Nathan, I have a question. I have several questions for you. Do you like, do you like passing the football? No, it's terrible. So, you don't like passing the football? No, body blows all the way. Okay, got it. So, yeah. what what is required to pass the football? It's, uh, it's pass protection. It's, football. It, it's footballs also, the physical object like of football. Helmet? Pass protection also. Joe Thune, Pro Football Focus's best, third best. Uh, pass protecting guard in 2019. You don't like pass protection, or no. do you? No, I do. But again, like to get back to uh, all of the holes they have to fill on this team, I'm just not. I, I I don't I don't have any. If I'm them, I don't have any urge to run out and try to land a big guard or something. I, I think between Jones and Haynes, and then you know you keep Fluker around or somebody else. I think that's okay, and I think that they need to fill the right tackle. So if they're going to spend money on offensive line, I think that's where that they should where they should do it. If they cut Britt, they might have to find a center. So to me, guard is like I think we talked about this on a podcast or two ago. Like at, at some point, as a football team, none of these teams are perfect, and at some point, you have to turn it over to the younger guys, and you kind of have to just kind of pick and choose where you're going to go cheap and hope for development. And I think guard is one of the better spots for Seattle, ignoring, you know, their entire history developing. Off I, I actually really agree with you, Nathan. Um, I, and like put it another way, like if signing Joe Thune meant that they only got one decent pass rusher, how would you feel? That for me or Evan, I would feel bad. Yeah, like it's just from a prioritization perspective. I mean, if if signing Joe Thune meant you didn't get a right tackle, how would you feel? Like, I think that's part of the question here. And and let's just before we we kind of uh, move off of this, I want a couple more topics related to the the O line. George Fant, he was named recently in an article. I can't remember by who. Jeff, you might remember. Um, yeah, I remember. It was Tom Palacero who's like probably the most connected through the agents so and he had him making but like 12 million or something along those lines was that right yeah so he he went position by position and named kind of the price range of a bunch of players and he actually added a fetty into the article i sent him to evan he added a fetty later into the article so he said that right now fant is being viewed as a left tackle around the league i went i went on like some depth charts and there's a lot of left tackle holes around the league and teams think that Fan could get, or agents think Fan right now is going to have a market at least ten to twelve million. A Fetty, they said just over ten million. So Fan has a bigger market than a Fetty. It looks like right now, based on his position at left tackle. We looked at him as a right tackle guy. It seems like Fan's going to be priced out of here. If I was redoing my grades on Fan based on this, I'd probably have him at a one or two. How are you guys going to feel if Fan gets paid more than a Fetty? Vindicated. But maybe also, <laughs> but he hasn't played. He didn't play tackle for them for like years. Oh, I see what and you're saying. As far as as far as like, 
So, so yeah, you're saying like, what will it say about the coaches and personnel of the Seahawks that they, the entire rest of the league looks at like these two and like, well, that one's clearly better. And Seattle's like, you're a tight end. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but the left tackle, right tackle thing. It's really, really hard to switch sides at that spot. It's a whole footwork thing. Fans to learn. It took Fan a lot to learn one position. Learning a second position would have been a real challenge for him. Oh, he did play tight end. And on the right side. On the right side a lot. Yeah, he's fine <laughs> at right tackle. Cover up for a Fetty. <laughs> That's not the issue. I don't know what they see in a Fetty. A Fetty has these things in football that you just can't teach. It's the football IQ, the dumb penalties. He's a guy, any price tag you paid him, I would be terrified. Yeah. The Seahawks clearly aren't good at O-line decisions and O-line personnel evaluations. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll find out a little bit more as we go on here. I well, guess they actually uh, hired Steve Hutcherson this week full-time. I know. And they oh. said, you know what his, his only job is? His only job is evaluating O-linemen in the draft. So clearly they're kind of seeing that blind spot that Evan was mentioning to us the other day. I found That's that kind cool. of interesting. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. That's cool. I mean, Hutchison, as much as he screwed us over, he was a smart dude. And um, yeah, I don't think he screwed us over. That was all Ruskell. No, that was all Hutchinson. Dude didn't have to sign that contract. True, but Ruskell really fucked that thing up. Yeah. Russell, Ruskell allowed it to happen, but Hutchinson's yeah. the one that Fair. went out and got the contract. Fair. Yeah, yeah, you're both right. And and Fair. the thing I the reason I have highlighted, um, although I love what Nathan brought up there, is. Sorry, <laughs> this we we did this rating prior to kind of knowing his market in my mind i thought fant might be like an eight million dollar maybe nine million dollar player given how little he'd really been a starter 12 million like if he pushes up towards 13 or 14 if the market gets hot do any of you feel differently about signing him like are you ready to to like say this is your guy at right tackle No, that starts getting real steep for me. Right? I mean, I'm willing to gamble like $10 million a year on a guy that hasn't consistently played tackle for like three years, but I'm not giving him 14 or $15 million. What about 12? It'll be, it'll be, well, I mean, at that point, I'm way more, I'm looking way more at like Balaga. And I'm, right. You know, exactly. Yeah. That's where my head goes. I'm like, if they're even within a couple million of each other, are you kidding? Like, I mean, I know Fant's younger, but Bulaga's like, he's like a Pro Bowl level player. Um, he's got more injury potential challenges, but I think, I don't know. Evan or Jeff, did you have anything on that before I, I, I moved on? No, the fan projection just seems kind of insane to be quite honest with you I'm, I'm not comfortable paying anything close to that yeah i think teams view him as a starting left tackle when Dwayne brown was out this year fan looked pretty functional didn't look incredible but he, he compared to when other guys went out the line didn't look that much different and i think teams view him based on age based on upside he, his body's in probably better shape than a lot of other left tackles who've been knocking heads for four years I think someone's going to view him as a starting left tackle. I think like the Jets or the Giants, they're going to pay him too much money. And I don't even think we're going to have this conversation in a couple of days. Well, so, so I think we're all similar point of view there. Here's the reality that hit me the other day, guys. I think I haven't mentioned this in our chat, but like, I, it just hit me. I'm like, Oh my God, this is what the Seahawks do at right tackle. 
they're not going to sign any of these obvious guys that they should. They're going to use their first round pick on some player that is going to be not on anyone's board or that we all can see has a huge hole and they're going to make him start early as a young player. And I mean, they've done that multiple times, right? Uh, they did it with Justin Britt. They did it with Jermaine Effetti. Like people forget Justin Britt was originally a tackle that then had to be moved into guard and then to center where he had like, they, they basically are like, we're going to find a position where the maximum amount of players are surrounding him. So he has the <laughs> least amount he could possibly do. Like, can you imagine like drafting a guy thinking he could play on the edge and the only place he could actually play in the NFL was in the middle of everybody. Like and he's that, even, and he's really not that good at it either. Like maybe they should sign a Fetty to play center at like half the price. I don't know. But I like mean, I would say, do. I, I don't know. I would say two sneaky possibilities. I think Cordy Glenn could be a guy that they go after. Um, they love the biggest possible offensive lineman they can find. And Cordy Glenn's up there. Um, I wonder if they'll be interested in Andres Pete um, and trying to play him at tackle again. Um, I know he's been a guard. I think he, I don't know how much chance he got at the left tackle in New Orleans, but that's what he played in college. Um, so, yeah, I would also be on the lookout for one of these reclamation projects or something like that that they could try to roll out there. Uh, who, you know, they, they could do the, the DJ Fluker at right tackle, not Fluker <laughs> himself, but that process. Oh, God. Don't joke, man, because that's possible. I mean, know? again, they like to be as big as possible, so maybe they would give that a shot. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the, I mean, those are the three positions, right, that we're all focused on: defensive and defensive tackle, right tackle are like the priority positions in all of our minds. I mean, they don't have a nickel back, but yeah, sure. We can From a free agency standpoint. Are you wanting them to go after nickel and free agency? Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Right. So I can share that really quick with folks and then, uh, Please do. yeah. So, um, let me bring that back up. So here is the cornerback list. Yeah, While you're pulling this up, who are, who are the good nickel corners that they've drafted? They had, Thurmond. um, Thurman, yeah. Thurman. Byron Maxwell played nickel for a little bit. That's Jeremy a good nickel Lane. cornerback, though. So. Jeremy Lane was okay for all right. He was all right. Jeremy Lane had a couple decent years. Yeah, he's all right. They haven't been. I don't think it's. I don't think it's been a massive disaster for them. They also, Bradley Roby just signed for the record. That he's off the list. Oh, where'd he go? He go back to signed twelve million a year. Holy Ooh. hell! That's more than Justin Coleman. Yeah. So that was the other name I was going to bring. Byron up. Jones. Byron Jones is going to get close to twenty million. Holy God. Yeah, that's why I'm like, that's why he's so low for me. I mean, he might be a good player, but I do not want them spending. There's no way I want them spending 20 million on he's corner. gonna with all with all the teams that want him, he's gonna get like 18, 20 million or more. He'll probably but, sign him. But now so you know, this is we're gonna turn the tables on this one, Brian, because to me, like you're just talking about impact. Brian Byron Jones is is an impact player. Like that dude could be really really special in a pete carroll system like athletic like crazy you know built for pete carroll system like it's not a fit like just concerning like i mean 
I don't, I don't know how much of a fit it is. Like, I, I think that that's a pretty big um, upgrade over Flowers, but it's not their most pressing need. But if you're just talking about, like, if you're going to drop $20 million on someone and ask them to have an impact, I don't know that you're going to have a lot surer bets than Byron Jones. Yeah, so you let me ask you this then. You, you Would you spend $20 million on him and um, forego the opportunity to get two premium pass rushers? And that's what's hard, right, is that – you're going to lose them because you're going to be focusing on the ends, the pass rushers, which is maybe what you should do. Although coverage is maybe more important than pass rush. Right. Um, also, if you dump a ton of money on him, like people talk about putting Quill in the slot, man, I don't, I don't think that's a great idea. I, I don't think that that uh, you're going to ask a really good player to do something he's not good at. And I think you're going to waste, waste him. Um, obviously they can both play, you know, if they're just running base, but so yeah, so you you need to forego a pass rusher, then it changes your math on what you want to spend on like a Chris Harris maybe. So it's tough from that perspective. But like if you're just again, you're just talking about I want to give a player, I want to dump a, a back a truck up to somebody's house and say come make an impact on my football team. Byron Jones is maybe right at the top of the list of guys who can do that for you. But so tell me, explain to me then, how do you have a zero for Mackenzie Alexander? Like a solid good? solid nickel corner. He's decent. Is that maybe a mistake or I don't think he's very good. I don't know. Maybe maybe a zero is a mistake, but um yeah. You can Vikings, talk me up right? from zero, but I, I'm not this isn't a guy that I'm like crazy about or anything. Yeah, I mean I think he's he's there's an argument to be made he's he's as good or better than Kendall Fuller. Um, uh I don't think that's accurate, just looking off his pro football focus grades. Yeah, and I'm uh, with some of these guys. I'm relying pretty heavy on the on PFF. Yeah, I, I also think, and I, I think I'm surprised you guys are so low on Logan Ryan. He is exactly the kind of vet, solid outside corner that I think you could get for cheap. That is perfect to compete with Trey Flowers. And if it works, and he's he's better, he gets the the, the position. If not, then he can be a backup corner potentially for you or rotational. Like, and I just don't have much interest in that with the way that they can draft corners and stuff like that. Yeah, I like. I agree. Like to me, Jones is interesting because I just think he's such a surefire potential star for them. But then, but like, once you get beyond that, like, nah, just you know, do your. Do, they should just do the normal thing. I don't and, think Logan Ryan is going to come as cheaply as you think, Brian. He might not. I mean, that yeah. that's definitely a possibility. I mean, 100%. Um, I think there's just too many New England-run teams out there now. I think Miami yeah. and big money, something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of great options on the corner market, so the prices for these guys is probably going to be pretty high. Like, And I think in general, you want guys with, like, fresh legs at cornerback. I think... I think you, you want to, and you, based on how Seattle's found value at that spot in the draft, I'd like to see them spend a higher pick. I'd like to see them spend one of their first three picks this year on an outside corner. And I think that's a guy I'd want pushing Trey Flowers more so than uh, Logan Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just um, – when you have kind of a slimmer list – the demand is going to be high as it always is at, at corner and the prices are going to, the market's going to go higher. And so for me, this means you're going to be pushing money away from the 
defense from the pass rush and from right tackle. And I think that's a mistake. Like I would, unless you get a guy, I mean, if you get the guy like Chris Harris at 12 million, like I doubt it, highly doubt it. But like, let's say you could get a guy like Chris Harris in that range, then I'm down. Like he can play inside and he can play outside. He is a, he's a good corner. Um, so to me, that's worth like older player, you know, probably on the downside of his career, but um, still like been one of the best corners in the game. So that's interesting to me, but for most part, I'm like, you know, maybe get one of these slot guys. Otherwise I think you'd probably go like, I just want to make sure they really take care of the defensive line and really take care of um, take care of uh, offensive line, right tackle. Um, so we got only a couple more minutes left in the show. Uh, closing thoughts. Um, first of all, I just want to thank everybody for the donations. I'll, I'll try to total it up and let you know on Twitter where we ended up, but I think we had a, a great day so far. If you haven't already, it's not too late. If you hear this, uh, after the show, you listen to the podcast and you want to make a donation, look up at my Twitter timeline at Hawk blogger. You'll see the link to the PayPal where you can make a donation. And even if you didn't do it during the show, I'll make sure that that money gets where it's supposed to go. Um, so at least over the next couple of days, I'll, I'll wait and then we'll, we'll see what the total is. Um, this is to help kids that, that normally would be getting fed and you know eating during school hours. And we don't know how long they're gonna be out of school for. Uh, this is a chance for us to help support them and, and uh, get food in their bellies and let them learn and focus and concentrate and, and, uh, grow up. So please, if you haven't already, please, uh, donate and, uh, we will, we will make sure it gets over to, to, uh, the proper places. Um, if you haven't already subscribe, uh, comment, like all those things are helpful to, to promote the show. We really appreciate it. And, um, I'll give, I'll give last word to each one of you guys uh, for, for anything you want to focus on, whether it's football or otherwise. Uh, uh, Evan, closing words for you. Yeah, no, I think the next uh, 72, 96 hours are going to play a big role in how the Seahawks perform over the next, over the next several years. Obviously, they have a ton of cap space. Um, ton of draft picks, lots of big decisions to make. I feel like this, I know we say it a lot, but this is a turning point for, for this team. Uh, the decisions or lack of decisions they make over the next uh, few days are going to pay dividends or lack of dividends over, over the next several years. So it's a, it's a pivotal time for sure. Jeff. Oh yeah. I think I've ever said everything I was initially thinking, but I'll just say this. Um, I'm already getting a little stir crazy sitting inside and reading about, everything I've read on Twitter. So I think the next couple of days, I'm, I'm pretty excited that the league year is going forward. Not to make light of what Brian just talked about. Obviously that's far more important, but this will be a very nice distraction for me. Again, I said earlier, like spending a couple of minutes today being mad about Clayus Campbell was a nice change for what I've been mad about all weekend. So anyone who's listening, feel free to engage me, uh, write me on Twitter. I'm going to be all over this free agency stuff the next couple of days. The cool thing about the four of us is like, we're kind of like a mini front office in itself here. We have the cap guy. We have the analytics takes. We have the PFF grades. We have like the pro personnel looks. And then Brian's kind of that big picture guy we're always yelling at. And everyone's mad. He's kind of like the GM of the group that we're always behind the scenes mad at or for some reason. So engage all of us. Write us. I'm going to be around. If you guys want to talk for agency, I need that change right now because if I read too much about coronavirus, I don't, I'm going to go crazy. So 
feel free to write me. I'm going to be all over this free agency stuff. So that's it for me. Nathan. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty much my sentiments too. Like, it'll be nice to have a break. I think it'll be good to have a little time to kind of step away. I think that's okay. If anyone's worrying, like, no, you don't need to consume, consume coronavirus news 24 seven. That's not healthy either. Uh, so yeah, it'll be a nice little break. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this could be just a really, really massive offseason for Seattle, and uh, it'll be really cool to see what kind of shakes out. Cool. And uh, folks wondering about when we'll be back, uh, we'll let you know. If you haven't already, subscribe to youtube.com uh, slash hawkblogger. You'll get notified as soon as a new event gets added and we schedule it. So uh, that'll be coming soon. Uh, I 100% guarantee we will have a call once free agency kicks off and there's news we won't be able to keep from uh from doing that so that could happen even this week is not out of the question um if if uh something really good happens that gets us excited or something really bad happens that gets us pissed off all those things are uh, reasons we can we can come back and reconvene um you know, outside of like outside world stuff set aside for a second, just football focused. Like this is my one of my favorite parts because of football, because there's this is the time you get to dream um, of what your team could be. And I the thing I am really sure of, really sure of is the Seahawks are going to be aggressive in free agency. We are going to see the Seahawks sign some players that you've heard of. We're going to see them sign players that are going to have an impact to this team. Um, and there are going to be people talking about it. We're going to be talking about it. So I'm more curious about what the names are going to be. I can't wait to see the rumors start to fly. I think we'll start seeing that as soon as tomorrow or even tonight. Um, and look, we've all got our points of view about where they should spend their money and what the priorities should be. We're going to find out their point of view really soon. And uh, man, I think we're all, we got every finger and every toe crossed that the Seahawks front office makes the right moves because as Evan said, this is a season, this is off season is going to basically set the course for the next three years for sure. Like this is the time they're going to have the cap space. This is the time where they have the roster cleared out the room to add people. So thank you guys again for all that you contributed we are going to have thousands of dollars to contribute uh, to helping kids get fed. And I really appreciate it. Uh, please, if you haven't already, tell other people about the show. Um, more people join in. Uh, more, more good goes to, to charities as well as places like Ben's Fund. Uh, and we appreciate it. More than anything else, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. And we'll be back as soon as we can with more Seahawks talk. Take care. <laughs>